Hello, I'm Philip Stoughton from My House to Yours. Welcome to EMS at Sea Level. I am joined by Matthias from Orbit One. Matthias, you and I have spoken many times, but we haven't spoken on this show before. So start with a quick introduction to uh, your long history and uh, a little bit about Orbit One. So thanks, Phil. Uh, yeah, we've been around for a while. Uh, yeah, I, th I think that's a good introduction. So uh, I've been in this industry for 23 years. Uh, the bulk of, of my years I spent within Flex. I did something else for a couple of years, and I came back into the industry when uh, Orbit One decided to to buy the uh, the operations that Flex had in Sweden. And basically, we started forming a new EMS um, in Sweden, focusing on Scandinavia and the Baltic Sea, I would say. And um, we've been growing ever since. Yeah, and it's been it's been a it's been an interesting story, hasn't it? Coming out of that flex facility, you had a really good year last year. You had some substantial growth, um, strong profitability. Obviously, the same challenges of everybody else in the supply chain. And when I look at your business, supply chain is something that you're that you're really good at, and you consider to be a very important value add of what you do for your customers. Describe how you consider yourself to be a little bit different in the way you help manage your customers' supply chains. I mean, for me, being a, a an EMS player uh, is more about being a manufacturing partner. I actually don't like the word EMS because I somehow don't feel that it, it, it doesn't really reflect what we actually do. For me, the, the important thing is to be a partner to my customer and a great deal of being that partner uh, towards a product owning company is around understanding their supply chain. Um, typically, larger OEMs have a what I would consider to be a pretty widely grown tree in, in terms of how their product portfolio has been established over the years, uh, which suppliers did you choose, which components did you design in, where did you set up your uh, your design designated supply chain. And somehow as a manufacturing partner, I need to help my customer to understand that supply chain and then build the most optimal supply chain. Okay. And does that mean supply chain redesign or does that mean validation of that supply chain for, for your manufacturing footprint? How, how does that process kind of work? Particularly with, for example, a new OEM that may be moving to you from um, from a different manufacturer, perhaps even in a different geography. I mean, what, what we typically typically do is we try to help that OEM to map up their current supply chain, focusing on uh, tied up capital, focusing on flexibility, focusing on resilience. Um, focusing on, on the risks that are typically built into that supply chain. Once you have that picture, then you can start to basically tailor a new supply chain. Um, this is a very, how should I call it, data-driven kind of work. Um, it's something that takes a bit of time. Uh, once the result is on the table, it typically doesn't have to mean that that customer would have to go with Orbit One and basically do their supply chain reconfiguration. Uh, in this particular case, we work more as a consultancy company. 
And this is also one of the things that I see with EMS. We need to we need to move away from that, you know, focus, focus on production, focus, focus on, on certain uh, value add services and become more of a more of a knowledge company. Brain power. Yeah. yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And, you know, when I look at the EMS industry as a whole and I look at other manufacturing sectors, there's no industry that has done such a good job of creating efficiency and driving as much cost out of the supply chain as as this industry has done. So I think it's really an interesting example to, you know, to other sectors as well. And it is very much knowledge based. The fact that you're consulting and providing that that advice up front is um, hugely valuable. There are a few few words that you mentioned in there that are really important. One is the, um, you know, the application of capital inventories risen over the last 12 months the other is the um how robust and how resilient the supply chain is that's become more and more important and we've swung from a just in time model to a much more just in case model when you look at the last 2 years have you found those supply chain discussions to be somewhat or entirely different to what they were pre pandemic I'd say, uh, I mean, within the last couple of years, there's been more focus on, on what I would call daily operations, daily execution, finding that last component. Um, customers today are more, maybe a little bit more reluctant to getting into those, you know, more high level, strategic, forward looking conversations. However, I sense now, since somehow the, the, the supply chain business is stabilizing, that there is an opportunity again to go out and have that kind of conversation. So for me, this is now, it, it's an area that we opened up pre-pandemic. Uh, we called it Simplify. That's the name for the of, of the service that we provide. Um, that's been kind of in, in hibernation mode now for two years. So now it's time to go back out and, and start, you know, simplifying, helping our customers to simplify their supply chain and, and simplify their manufacturing. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's fascinating, and I think, you know, when when you are kind of revisiting that process, there there are a number of other things going on in the industry, particularly around geo geopolitics and the geography of of supply chains that are impacting that. Are you finding your OEMs, many of which are, are in Scandinavia, but I know you have global OEMs you work with, are they thinking more local for local? Are they less keen to chase low-cost labor around the world than perhaps they were before these last five or six disruptions that perhaps started with the trade war with China? I mean, again, I've been in this business for, for tw more than 20 years. When I came in, everything was around a uh, labor cost. Then it moved to product cost. Then it moved to total landed cost. Uh, I think today what we see is more focus on total cost of ownership. So understanding the, uh, the, the time and the cost that you need to spend from ID to uh, ready product, market ready product. And I would say that the, the conversations that we have today is much more around how do I get my customers' product to their market, ge geographical uh, market, in the right place at the lowest possible cost. Uh, time to profit is more important than ever. Um, so I would say the conversations we have today are much more analytical 
maybe than they, they were. I mean, 20 years ago, it was a political mandate that everything had to be moved you know, to low cost. That's not the case anymore. There's a pride in, in having, you know, made in Sweden type of, of stamp on your product. There's pride in, in uh, having a, a very, uh, how should I call it, uh, at, at least negative uh, carbon footprint as possible. I mean, the, the whole ESG uh, thing has, is also something that has developed over the years. So the environmental aspect is really of, a, of main concern to a lot of our customers. That's that's really good to hear, and I, I, you know, I find that really encouraging because when we are in challenging times, sometimes the environmental issues tend to get pushed down the list. It's really valuable that they are higher up the list. And when I look at it from a global standpoint, most agree that Europe is ahead of elsewhere. And when I look at Europe, most would probably agree that Scandinavia is ahead of the rest of Europe in those things. Um, what kind of issues around in the environment are they looking at and how are they focusing on those when i look at the role of ems it's it's a little bit about what products you make it's a bit about how you make those products and then it's a lot about where all the parts for those products come and actually understanding the carbon footprint and the uh, environmental impact of the entire supply chain from from kind of product ideation all the way through to end of life are people able to manage that very complex product life cycle in terms of the? I, I would say that today we have a, a pretty good, there are good and, and positive con, uh, conversations around how do I manufacture the product in, you know, as close as, as possible to the end market, minimizing that carbon footprint. That the conversation around you know the complete supply chain behind where you know where's the copper uh, where has the copper been mined how has that been put into the pcb that whole chain that kind of co goes behind us that's still up for for uh, i would say uh, evaluation mm. and that's more it, it's more difficult to have that conversation i would say that the focus today is more around having the manufacturing and and logistics of that specific product near to the end market. Yeah, um, it's not okay anymore to manufacture tons of products on the other side of the world and then you know shipping them across the world, nor from a risk perspective, nor from a cost perspective, and nor from a carbon footprint perspective. Yeah, and some of that, uh, Matthias, comes from the fact that you're able to take labor cost out and you're able to become more efficient. And if you look at the last 12 months in Orbit One, you've grown substantially, but you haven't had to grow your 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 headcount at the same rate. So there's a there's a benefit there. And I put that down to something that you also seem to be doing well, which is that whole digital transformation part of the business, the development of of your own automation systems. And you You've announced some really interesting automation systems um, during the last 12 months, some of which have been, you know, a, a real incremental improvement in the efficiency in the business. Yeah, so I would say, I mean, one of the key tools to really be able to relocate supply chains, to relocate manufacturing, uh, to, to, be, to become cost effective is to automate. And uh, I mean, we have... During the last 15 months, we've helped one of our major customers to basically move a complete manufacturing uh, from Asia. 
back to, uh, in this case, to Sweden. Uh, we've fully automated the complete manufacturing. Uh, so basically you feed um, uh, a PCB panel into one side of the, uh, the automated robot cell and in the other end out comes the finalized product in the final packing. And that, that kind of innovative uh, robotized mindset is also something that is becoming more and more uh, evident, I would say. You need to be on the forefront of automation, uh, both from a machine perspective, but also from a systems perspective. So uh, Orbit One jumped on what we call the Industry 4.0 train four years ago. Uh, we've been driving something that we call Orbit X uh, in parallel, which is more around, you know, getting to that innovative spirit, that innovative mindset within our company. So I would say, I would take my chin out and say that we're probably one of the best when it comes to, you know, thinking outside the box and bringing new technologies to the table. And if you, could com if you can combine this kind of... Uh, analytical supply chain architectural approach with new ways of manufacturing things new way how to new ways how to automate etc then you can build a really powerful solution and the value proposition for the end customer becomes uh, super evident and yeah being able to calculate that and put an amount put a value on it this is how much you will save in terms of money this is how you much you will increase in terms of flexibility etc cetera, etc cetera. gives yeah. us a, a powerful proposal yeah and then and adding that layer of um a much more positive environmental impact on top of that is the is the icing on that cake and i think that's really Absolutely. really important it's important to the brands and it's becoming increasingly important to the the consumer and the and the and the end market there. I think having that approach to adaptable automation and you almost um, beat me to my summary there, combining the ability to manufacture really efficiently efficiently with uh, with that with that supply chain analysis and the ability to actually measure the performance and improve the performance of the supply chain. Uh -huh. um, yeah, it's absolutely huge. When you look at 2023, you're already into the year. Um, what have you seen in terms of a start to the year? Uh, obviously, you're measuring KPIs like, you know, the, the order intake. So I don't know what you're seeing in terms of softening there. But I'm also interested in what you're seeing in terms of the other side of the supply chain availability of components and reduction in that heavy uh, heavy load of inventory and if we, if we start by looking at the order books um, like most other EMSs uh, or most other industries I would say our order books are strong uh, we grew more than 30 percent last year um, if I look at January and February and uh, probably until the summer this year we are let's say close to uh, 20 percent above what we did last year uh, so, so um, really really strong order books um, a few signs here and there again orbit one we, we serve a, a wide variety of customers and we have a couple of customers that i would call you know the, the close to consumer kind of segment we call them professional consumers uh customers i can see a little bit of decline uh, but it's not really, you know, super worrying for me. Of course, I'm in support of that customer, but I, I would say it's going to be a 
I think somebody said, you know, 2022 was a very strong year. 23 will be more like an in-between year. So let's, you know, take the opportunity to work on your systems and, and you know, get, get everything in line. Take a break in 2023. We never take a break, but we understand that there could be some changes and we are prepared to, to accommodate those changes during this year. Yeah. And what about the supply side? If I look at the supply side, I would say that it's going to, you know, 2023 is going to continue and be a, a difficult year. Uh, we see less and less disturbances. Um, I don't see cost coming down. I, I think somehow we've reached a different cost level. Uh, and that cost level is more or less here to stay. If I look at the pricing of, of components uh, and, and some services related to supply chain. So 2023 is going to be another challenging year from a supply chain perspective, but it's going to be better than 2022. I think the real, you know, easing of supply chain, uh, easing of, of materials availability, that's going to come, you know, second half of 2024, something like that. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? And and you know, when when I look at what you're telling me in terms of where you are in the automation process, what you're thinking about in the supply chain what you're seeing, the diversity of customers you have, the approach you've taken and the mindset you have, it looks like 2023 should be a very solid year for you, even if there is less growth than last year. And as you say, you might not take a break, but it's important to take a breath and actually look at the business and say, you know, how can we make this business even better for our OEM customers? And I'm encouraged that you're doing that. Matthias, always a pleasure to chat to you. Great to see you last week week before last in uh, in munich at the event there um and look forward to chatting again soon thanks for your time thank you phil appreciate it <laughs>